Welcome to Overdrive, a program about all sorts of things to do with motoring and transport. I'm Errol Smith. Our regular host, David Brown, is on holiday in Mount Kosciuszko, where he's enjoying the beautiful scenery and coping with his son breaking his wrist at the same time. We'll get him on a rather poor phone line shortly to talk about a few things. But first in this program, we take a look at the latest news stories with David Campbell, including Fiat Chrysler joins BMW in a race to make self-driving cars. We road test the new compact SUV from Subaru, the XV, which is selling gangbusters in the market at the moment. We have a few reflections from a recent transport conference. And in our discussion session, we take a carefree look at some quirky news stories, including the fuel economy of the latest Bugatti, and what toys you'll find in Tesla's latest car. Have a question or comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now to begin the program, let's have the news. Fiat Chrysler has recently announced that it will cooperate with BMW to develop self-driving cars as traditional automakers look to defend their turf against cash-rich Silicon Valley giants eager to upend the industry. Autonomous vehicles are expected to transform the auto industry within the next decade. The new technology pits established car makers with their decades of experience in global supply chains against the likes of Google and Apple, which have much greater financial resources, as well as greater expertise in the software that will be crucial to the development of driverless vehicles. Fiat Chrysler has struggled more than most car makers to compete in this new world because of its meagre profits. The company has largely stayed on the sidelines, while rivals like Volkswagen and General Motors have moved into technology-oriented businesses like car sharing or digital mapping. Fiat Chrysler said that it would join BMW's existing alliance with Intel and the chipmaker's newly acquired self-driving technology unit, Mobileye. In 2016, Hyundai announced that they were launching Genesis as a separate brand in Australia in March of this year. They then delayed the release of the Korean carmaker's first hot hatch and first mid-size luxury sedan until November. Now, Hyundai Australia says the Genesis G70 and the i30N will now not be released until February or March next year. Unlike Toyota and Nissan, which operate their respective luxury arms Lexus and Infiniti as separate standalone operations, Hyundai will sell Genesis in existing Hyundai dealerships, in the same way that Mini is integrated into BMW dealerships but only 30 of Hyundai's 165 dealers will be authorised to sell the Genesis brand. Apart from the new G70 and the i30, the current Hyundai Genesis will be given a midlife upgrade and renamed the Genesis G80. Time will tell how the new Genesis brand performs when it finally launches in Australia next year. And still with Hyundai, the company has offered an early glimpse of its next-generation fuel cell vehicle ahead of the hydrogen-powered SUV's official launch early next year. The yet-to-be-named model showcases the company's expertise in fuel cell-based electric powertrains. In 2013, Hyundai was the first automaker to undertake the commercial production of a fuel cell vehicle. The new fuel cell model was developed on four key pillars that focus on fuel cell system efficiency, 
performance, durability and tank storage density. General Motors will start selling a tiny electric car, the Baljun E100 in China this week, that will cost just over 5,000 US dollars or 6,500 Australian dollars. This is after electric vehicle incentives are taken into account. For that sort of price, the E100 is no Cadillac. The two-seat car's wheelbase, which is the distance from the centre of the front wheels to the centre of the rear wheels, is just 63 inches or about 160 centimetres. The E100, which is Baojun's first electric car, is powered by a single 39 horsepower electric motor and has a top speed of 62 miles per hour. The E100 can drive about 96 miles on a fully charged battery. Mercedes-Benz may have just launched one of the most eye-catching cars ever. The Mercedes Maybach 6 Cabriolet is almost 6 metres in length and, according to Mercedes, epitomises cars of the future with its extremely long bonnet and flowing lines. The extended round boat tail design of the vehicle's rear resembles a luxury yacht, and the vertical struts of the grille were apparently inspired by a pinstripe suit. Unique 24-inch alloy wheels complete the masterpiece. The electric drive system has an output of 550 kilowatts or 750 horsepower. The underfloor battery allows for a range of over 500 kilometers. The elegant Cabriolet made its debut at the Monterey Car Week in Pebble Beach, California earlier this month. And that has been the news. It is with great sadness that we note the death of one of Australia's greatest radio personalities, Gary O'Callaghan. Gary started radio in 1951 with 2SM in Sydney. He joined 2UE in 1956 and stayed with them for nearly 50 years. He did the breakfast show for decades and had over 160 survey wins spanning 45 years. He earned the Silver Rub Award three times, the top honour in the radio industry, was awarded an MBE, was named Father of the Year and won the Queen's Jubilee Medal. I was fortunate to know Gary very well. For several years we met every Saturday for a coffee. He told me some wonderful stories. Early in his career in the 1950s, he achieved exclusive coverage of the Cold War defection that became known as the Petrov Affair. Vladimir Petrov was the third secretary of the Soviet embassy in Canberra, but after the death of Stalin, he feared that his superiors and supporters in Russia had fallen out of favour and that that would reflect badly on him. He decided to defect, but did not tell his wife, Evdokia, of his intentions. Apparently he planned to defect without her. A few days after his defection was announced, his wife was taken by Soviet guards, Jakov and Kapinski, to board an aeroplane back to Russia. At the airport, though, there were hundreds of Australians waiting for them, trying to save her from the communists. Gary was the only reporter there. As he told the story, a Russian official was asked over and over again whether Mrs Petrov was being taken against her will. The Russian would only answer, me no speak English. After Mrs Petrov had boarded the plane, the Russian official was surrounded and jostled by an angry crowd. The Russian official turned to the head of the Australian Federal Police and said in perfect English, I am a Soviet official of the Russian Embassy. I have diplomatic immunity. You must protect me. 
to which the AFP officer said, me no speak Russian. Gary was universally known for the character he created and voiced on his program, Sammy Sparrow. The bird had a lot of power, including getting the Department of Main Roads to immediately fix a dangerous pedestrian situation when all other approaches had failed. Gary never received the remuneration that is now common for major radio personalities. He never asked for anything outrageous, but in one negotiation, he asked for a simple little thing. Management, being bloody-minded, refused. As Gary walked out, he simply said, Tomorrow the bird dies. They rushed him back and gave him his request. Gary sought honour not for himself, but for others who made an effort to contribute to society. He had a close personal relationship with the police, firefighters, the armed services and many similar organisations. He was a person of great humbleness in contradiction to the impact he had on so many. To his lovely wife Dorothy and his extended family, we send our best wishes. His departing is a sad time, but with great memories and a lasting legacy. This is Overdrive across Australia. Hey Errol, you drive a sedan, a small, medium-sized sedan, a little Holden Astra. You've now just had a go at a SUV in that sort of smallish class. Is it tempting? It's the Subaru, of course, XV. A tempting car, do you think? Uh, it is, David, although that could be partly because it's a decade newer than mine. Uh, <laughs> but um, It's got a brighter paintwork, I presume. Yes, plus uh, Subaru was nice enough to give us the XVS, which is the top-of-the-line model for their XV compact SUV. So it's got all the toys with all the uh, modern safety features you come to expect on a, on a car these days. Yeah, they've got their eyesight, which is pretty good. That's available on everything but uh, the base model. But then this later one has things like uh, greater lane departure warnings and things like that, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's got side and rear vehicle detection, uh, radar crews and all that kind of stuff. And you can there's all, all buttons all over the dash for turning all of those options on and off independently. You liked the infotainment display, some of it, but perhaps not that in front of the driver, but the stuff in the middle, was that pretty good? It's a very large, bright display, and there's actually two of them. There's sort of a, a wide, slim, smaller display above and further forward, where the clock sort of mm. typically is. And, and they actually work in tandem with, uh, like the sat-nav, for example, will show you the street name and the direction you need to turn on the top display which is easier to to mm -hmm. get to with your eyes you don't have to drop your eyes as, as much while the main larger display will show the map so uh, it works, okay. works quite well it's a good uh, good system it's it's clear but in front of the driver it gets a bit crowded yeah well i had two issues one is that the main you know speedo and and taco dials weren't actually very easy to read they didn't have a lot of contrast in them they were kind of you know gray against gray that's what it felt like. And um, but between the two dials is, as is typical on cars now, is a you know, multifunction digital multicolor display. But it just was a bit too busy. It, it was showing me about five different numbers and a dozen different symbols all at once. A bit of information overload. I wonder how many people actually scroll through those. Maybe you just find the thing you want like a digital a speedo or something and, and leave it at that. I, yeah, I, I, I wonder think, how often we really look. I think most people do. You, you just you'd want to 
put it on like the digital speed display or the kilometres to empty or something useful like that. Try and ignore the rest of the stuff. Yeah, you, you certainly don't want to really be doing it as you're driving along. It's something to try and think about as you are at the traffic lights, for example. And, and you'd get used to it and set it up the, the way that you like. Uh, dual zone climate control, electric driver seat adjustment on the top one that you had. Did, that, did you find that you could get a, a comfortable position in the driving? Yeah, yeah. There's a reasonable amount of adjustment and the steering wheel is adjustable in and out and up and down. So, um, and you had the you know, electric adjustment, obviously, on the top model. Unlike all SUVs, it's got a, a high, you know, high um, seating position with uh, good visibility. Then you found the uh, things like the alloy wheels and the interior leather trim seats uh, were appealing. Yeah, I, I really like the, the trim. There's two options. It's basically black or, or black and grey. Uh, which I, which we had, and I think it was uh, works really well on the the interior. And alloy wheels were quite eye catching. Yeah, and they're really doing a lot with that these days. Not a lot of power, was it? No, you've you basically got the same two liter engine across the range uh, through a CVT gearbox, and it's relatively gutless in the scheme of things. You know, that's 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 not. It's yeah. not it's not bad, but it's it's no sports car. The 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 S on the model name that we had doesn't really imply sport. <laughs> uh, no, and of course, as you say, you can't get a manual to it. The general capacity inside, what, what, and the boot, what, what do you think? The boot's pretty pretty decent, um, but it, the because we're the Australian market and most people expect to have a spare, uh, there is a spare in there, although it's a space-saver one, but mm. that means that the, the base of the boot is a bit higher than it would be if you just did away with Had the spare. No spare so. So, yeah, so there's a little bit less, you know, there could be a bit more boot space if they didn't have a spare, but it's, you know, six or one half and a dozen of the other, isn't it? You found the road noise average. Yeah, well, it was interesting because I swapped this for the Outback and that was much quieter. It's <laughs> a big difference mm. in road noise, but um, it's it's not bad. It's just, just average. I thought it was pretty good if the road wasn't bad. It got a bit if the road gets a bit of a coarse bitumen, it got a little bit more noisy there. Yeah. But otherwise, not too bad. It's got flappy paddles for gear changing too. Now, it has has a couple of off road capabilities, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, un- unlike a lot of you know sort of soft riders, this is um, it's full time all wheel drive, as all, all Subarus are. And you've got a, an X mode, which sort of put, gives it a more of an off-road settings in the, the gearbox and limited slip diff. Um, it's got hill hold and a, a few other niceties to have if you're if you're in the rough stuff. Hill hold helps you control the speed going down the hill. The X mode makes sure you get the power to the ground if you are going uphill or in particularly rough situations. So, how would you summarise it? Oh, look, it's a good compact SUV with genuine off-road capability and uh, modern safety features. Starts at about $28,000 plus on-roads, of course, and yeah. up to just over thirty-five and a half, well, 35000 Yeah. Uh, but yeah. what, the one you drove, how much would that cost to get on the road? Uh, you're looking at about forty k for the, the top-of-the-line XVS model, which we had, uh, drive away, although that depends, you know, obviously where you are uh, around mm. Australia. So, uh, All right, That's Subaru XV, their baby one. Most of the baby ones in this sort of category are rather cute. This uh, actually, I think, has 
an amount of sort of off-road capability, as you mentioned. And the looks, I thought, were quite good. A few sharp lines without going over the top. It's a little reminiscent of the Impreza line, sort of raised a bit. Mm. So it's got, it's got some nice lines to it. And, yeah, it's not the, your, your typical boring SUV, <laughs> like some of them are, let's be honest. Quite, I quite like the look of this, and it's got those quite nice wheels on it, which give it a, a, a bit of a sporty look too. Yeah, I think they're a major part of the looks now. The only trouble is the really good-looking wheels have very low profile, which tends to make it rather rougher to ride and far less adaptable in the off-road yeah, situation. Yeah, well, the, the XVS, we had had the 18-inch wheels on it, whereas mm. the rest of the range has 17. So the, the 17s would probably be the better option for uh, a bit of rough stuff. But, um, yep. you know, that's... Uh, uh, always an option. All right, mate. Let's hang out around for a bit and we will talk some quirky news. No worries, David. You're listening to Overdrive. And uh, we catch up with Errol Smith again to this time talk less seriously and more lightheartedly about a couple of stories. Errol, you've got one to lead us with. Well, David, as car manufacturers release new models and replace old ones, it's now the norm that the new one is cleaner and greener than the previous one. But if I told you the new one gets only 9 miles per gallon on the city cycle, up from 8 miles a gallon, you might be scratching your head a bit. Unless you're a multi-millionaire and can afford the latest Bugatti supercar, that is, the Chiron. That's uh, yeah. that, that nine miles per gallon, or that's over 26 litres per 100 kilometres, is what you get from a 1,480 horsepower 8-litre quad-turbocharger W16 engine, as you do. Uh, would that run on uh, premium unleaded? <laughs> It'd make it more expensive, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think when you've when you've got two and a half million um, to to buy one, you're not terribly fussed about having to put you know premium fuel in it. I think putting non-premium in might not be a good idea. These are the things that they build to break the world record for a production car in ultimate speed. Yeah. Absolutely meaningless. Yes, you, there is. You would have to go and hire the Volkswagen test track to try and get anywhere near it, and then you'd have to be very, very brave. Yes. Uh, I'm just not quite sure why, you know, other than conspicuous consumption, you know, that you can prove that you've got enough money to buy something that could do it theoretically. Yeah, well, I mean, the original Veyron was was basically, they tried to make the first production car that had a 1,000 horsepower. So uh, Mm. they almost broke 1,500 with this one. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, apparently, if you're running it flat out at the highest speed, it will use a fuel tank in 18 minutes. Yep. yep. Or but, some say even less. Yes, but it's impossible to actually run it at top speed for that amount of time because there's no track in the right. world where you can do that. No, indeed. I always thought that that'd be very good if you had sort of a weak bladder system. You know, you could keep saying, look, I've got to stop and fill it up. You know, look, I might as well go to the loo while I'm here. <laughs> but it might sort of give you a bit of an excuse. Yes. Probably only the very older sort of uh, person that can afford to buy one of these things anyway, can not it? Yeah. And still. Yeah. Now, I wonder what sort of noise it makes, Errol. Because there's a big issue around about cars and getting the right sound out of them, particularly sports cars, performance cars, even to the point that a lot of them have a little switch which allows you to make more noise. 
Now, I think they're going to bring into Australia an Australian design rule that says you have to pass noise legislation in the noisiest configuration. Ah. Whereas this was always one where you could have pretty noisy, but not you know, huge. You remember the Jaguar snack, snap, yes, crackle it, and pop. It, yes, it had the snap, crackle and pop button. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that, that well, was fun. Well, it did it even without the button, but when you put the button on, it was just almost over the top. Mm. Well, uh, the 5-litre V8 2018 Mustang GT has now got one of those buttons on it, only it's in the other way. It actually makes it quiet. It's really the neighbourhood button. Yes. And you know what? I like the idea. Yes. In fact, they've even added a bit of tech to it, so you can basically set it into a neighbourly mode between certain times of day, just in case you forget. Oh, so okay. So you can set it from so it's in quiet mode from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. for example, which uh, oh. which which drops the the sound to 72 decibels, which is apparently the level of a household dishwasher. Well, our household dishwasher, I think it might be on the way out. I find that a bit noisy and <laughs> yes, uh, so. <laughs> aggravating. The, the other thing, I wonder whether they might ultimately link it to GPS, so that if you're near a school, for example. It will always go into the quiet mode, or mm. if you're in a residential area. I mean, if you're driving late at night or, or any time in the day out in the country, that's when you might want to enjoy the sound. Yes, yes. It's still got the look at me mode, which is... Um... <laughs> so, sorry, it's called, it's called track mode, which puts it into the, lo- the louder setting. Well, look, you know, linking it to GPS and that, they actually do it with trucks. Mm. South of Sydney and down the Mount Oosley Road, very steep, and a lot of trucks have got out of control. They are required to go into low gear when mm. they go down there, but sometimes drivers forget, and, of course, the truck builds up too much momentum and the brakes aren't good enough to stop it, and so there can be catastrophe. They're discouraged from using their air brakes in uh, suburban areas, aren't they? Oh, well, that's another one, isn't it? Mm. That maybe trucks could have this system of not using the brakes or even slowing down on the engine with a big diesel engine and making all that noise. Mm. And I think that's a good one. Look, I once had the exhaust pipe fall off my Morris Minor and I was driving back at late at night to a caravan park. The next day, people got up muttering about some big V8 that had gone through there. I, I remained <laughs> quiet. It certainly sounded noisy. There was no question about it. No, but uh, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I love the sound of the noise. You know, the, the 16-year-old boy absolutely goes crazy. Every time we have a sports car, we've got to go through a tunnel and wind the window down and test the noise of it. But I think in this case, it is a good feature. Errol, one more story. Yeah, well, David, some early adopters are starting to take delivery of the Tesla Model 3. That's the uh, more affordable and a little smaller version of of Tesla's all-electric vehicles. And they're finding all sorts of little curiosities in them. Apparently, you can turn the 15-inch touchscreen in the middle of the console into a colouring book where you, or more likely your kids, can sort of scribble away to your heart's content and make little little doodles. Or, I don't know why you'd want this, uh, but you can show a top-down view of the planet Mars. Yes, I was saying that correctly and watch a Mars rover meander over the surface as you drive around. And no, oh. I don't know. We, we, we don't know either, do we, David, why, why you'd want that. There's a third option, David, just called More Cowbell. Yes, what does that do? 
which oh, that, 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 there's a social uh, modern social reference there isn't there uh, it, uh, there's something about more cowbell that does it have a meaning i don't know well it, it basically makes the display go a little bit sort of trippy and psychedelic oh oh that would be helpful yes I'm just guessing some of the developers who were working on the software system were just a little bit bored and started, you know, adding little toys. Tesla has been known to bring in popular culture references. For example, the one we drove the other day had a ludicrous speed button, which of course means very fast. It's literally called ludicrous mode, isn't it? Yes, ludicrous mode, which comes from the movie Spaceballs. Yes. When was that? In the 90s? It's uh, Rick Moranis? Yeah, it was was a... a piss taker of Star Wars. So it has those cultural references to it, and I think this what is it more cowbells or something? Is it was a Saturday Night Live sketch, oh. which, which went into some infamy. Uh, I just wonder whether in the future these references will look about as cool as referring to the sound of music or something. Mm. You know, it might might have seemed good there. But the coloring book, right? The British painter David Hockney does a lot of little quick sketches on his iPad and sends it to all his friends. And, <laughs> and if you go to one of his exhibitions, he has some examples from his iPad. Right. So he could do that. It's, it's hard to frame an iPad for posterity. <laughs> actually, they had one which was a screen that showed him as, as he was actually painting. Not showed him, but showed the paint, you know, the, well, the colours appearing and the shapes and that as wow. he did things and then overwent a bit and touched it up and did that sort of thing, which I thought was rather good. Uh, of course, I presume what they're really aiming for is ultimately when it's autonomous. Yes. Well, at that point, you are going to be bored because the car <laughs> will be driving itself. And, um, yeah, then you, then you do want some toys. And it's also for the diehards that really want to dig into the car and learn every single tiny little thing about it. Uh, so if you dig through the menu systems enough, you'll eventually find all these funny little settings. I wonder that if your sat-nav needs a map of Mars, your sat-nav has taken you on a wrong turn in the biggest possible way. Maybe the maybe the Model 3 has, um, you know, a rocket boosters built in that just aren't mentioned on the, in the promotional material. All right, mate. Well, that's lovely. Uh, always good to talk to you, Errol, and uh, I appreciate the time. Thank no you very worries, much. David. See you later. And that's, and that's Errol Smith, and we have been talking some unusual stories to do with motoring and transport. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to David Brown, David Campbell and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And you can listen to longer segments of each of the features by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or you can podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. I'm Errol Smith. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.